What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Too Easy Tuesday here on Burn Your Boats. So, typically I avoid current events, and I don't want to turn this into a show where we get bent around the axle with a lot of that stuff, because there's a lot of places that do that already, and I look for, um, I look for my show and my episodes to be more evergreen, so that way you can pick them up at any time, and they're applicable. And so, rather than, than falling in with whatever the, uh, the big news story of the day is, you know, I try to give lessons and ideas that will help you improve and become the best version of yourself and work towards the best version of yourself uh, that you could possibly be. Um, and that's, that's, that's the idea. So, with that said, I'm going to do the complete opposite of that now. Um, I just, there were a couple of, there were some big things that keep, that keep hitting in the top of the news cycle, and I do think that there is, um, on occasion, there's, there's a call for us and for me to address some of these things, um, because a lot of what I'm talking about is resilience and motivation and how to overcome, and re realistically, and we oftentimes get caught up, um, People in my business and industry, in my my passion, uh, will get caught up creating and and discussing things from a perspective of what should be, um, and not acknowledging the world that we're in. And so, I think it's important every once in a while to to give context and to to address what's going on because there's still, a lot of times we'll have questions and we'll be we'll be investing time and energy into things. Um, and so when I'm trying to give, when I'm trying to, to instill some knowledge or some skills, I think it's good to address it in the context of what's going on because this is the stuff that we're all dealing with every day. And so right now, like the three big things that I keep seeing hit the news headlines are President Trump's impeachment, the coronavirus, and Kobe Bryant's and his daughter, and the five, I believe, other uh, members of the helicopter um, crash, uh, the tragic death. Um, so those are three things I just wanted to, to touch on real quick and just kind of give you my perspective. And um, and then we're going to move on. I'm not, that's not going to be the focus of the show, but I do want. I just wanted to touch on those real quick, and then we can move on to uh, to what we're going to talk about today. Um, really, really important, cool lesson that we're going to we're going to dive into. But starting off uh, with the impeachment, so it's, I really, I want you to, so if you're not paying attention to what's going on with the impeachment, awesome. That's really like, that's the baseline of what I'm going to get at today is, I think that's great because does it really affect you? No. Does it, does it affect you no matter what the outcome is going to be? No. If you're paying attention, then you know the outcome's already baked into the cake. And everything that's happening right now is simply posturing for the election. So it's darn near impossible for Trump to actually be removed from office. So sitting there and investing time and energy and thought and discussion into this process, it's a waste for you. Think about the, the things that you could be creating if you, if you freed up your time and your energy and your mental space from that crap. Uh, you know, if, if you're really interested, be more focused on, 
on the election itself and then even more than that go down to the lower level like do you even know who your local representatives are I think there's a whole spiel I could go on for a very long time my bottom line is it's not worth your time or energy to sit there and, and to dive into that and that leads right into the coronavirus it's I believe that there's less people affected than get affected by the flu and the flu kills a ton of people every year is it significant? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, but it's important to recognize people's motivations in this. A lot, a lot of grants and, and stipends and, and, and money is given to people for research uh, when, the, when, they, when you're able to throw out these hot buzzwords like pandemic. Um, and so... Some people might be quick to jump to that. I'm not a scientist. I, what I'm saying is essentially what I'm what I was getting at with the impeachment is: Does it really affect you? I mean, it could, but like, what can you do to stop it? Like, don't go to China. Okay, cool. Now people are coming back, and and they're you're having symptoms uh, after a con- a period of contagiousness, so you're contagious before you're even symptomatic. Um, I know that because I, the news is up, right? And so I'm not, I'm not spending my time stressing about it because it's out of my control. Um, I will stay abreast of the news, and if there's anything significant going on, um, like there's a whole aspect about China quarantining cities, which is completely normal for them, and and and, and I mean quarantine like walling off like 20 million people, 50 million people from the rest of the country. Something that we would never uh, anticipate or understand really from our culture and our side of things. But really, so uh, should you be spending your time uh, digging into this and and stressing about it? Why? Why is, is my question. Um, are you involved in the process of, of identifying how to stop it, how to develop cures, uh, vaccines? If you are, get it, get it. <laughs> if you're not, what is the stress doing? Is is it keeping you up at night? Is it then affecting your work performance? Is it perfecting your? Is it in, is it impacting negatively your relationships with your with your spouse, your significant other, your children, um, your friends? Because you're spending so much time stressing out about something that you don't have control over. This goes back to like the stoicism where like impact the things that you can control. And that's essentially your reactions to things. You can't control the virus. Uh, If you get it, then you got it. I mean, but stressing out up until that point, like it's it's not going to help you not get it. So... Accept what you can't control, and that's one of them, and, and drive on it, and use that time and energy and motivation to work on something productive and, and beneficial for yourself and your family and those around you, rather than stressing and keeping yourself up at night and freaking out about this coronavirus. That's that shifting away from that kind of thought into the tragedy, the unbelievably tragic event that happened with Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Um... I've heard, so initially I saw, um, my wife actually told me that it happened. She she 
got notified through a group of her friends, and um, and then I saw it confirmed. You know, I looked it up and and I saw it was confirmed, and, and just absolutely sad and tragic thing. And and I saw an outpouring of um, posts from people, um, kind of like giving their relationship with him. Uh, a friend of mine posted, you know, like, oh, my birthday uh, buddy or whatever um, died. You know, like, she knew him well enough to know that his birthday was the same day as hers. And um, other people talking about, you know, he was the first basketball player that they that they remember watching. And, um, and people from L.A. watching, you know, the, the stuff on TV about people um, having really strong emotional uh, reactions and, and people that knew him well. And then I saw not as kind reactions. Um, people saying, oh, he's just a celebrity. It's just another person. It's no more tragic than anybody else. Um, he was a, 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 as bad as, oh, he's a, he's a rapist and an abuser anyway. Good riddance. Um, and so I look at all of those things. I'm not even going to address the the abuser and the rapist side of things. Dive into the legal side of that and and, and determine what you will from that. Um, but the the he's just a celebrity and and so his death is no more tragic than anyone else's. I get listen. I get it. I understand. Um, to me, that's it's almost like a coping mechanism. Um, or you're trying to like I think about like the intent. What's the intent of somebody who's who's saying that to a person? Say you posted something online, and you're like, oh, it's so sad. Like, and then your respond. That person is out there, and they see that, and they respond, and they say, hey, he's just a celebrity. He's no more important than anybody else. Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to take away the uh, that person who posted that they're they're grieving? Um. I just, I don't understand what you get out of correcting, trying to correct somebody's emotional response to a tragic event. It doesn't really make sense to me. And, and I mean, let's, I'm, you may wholeheartedly disagree with me and that's okay. Let's be real about this. So, there's a, there's a difference between like a celebrity and, uh, People that are famous, like there are degrees within within that. Um, some people are famous because they act, and so an actor is able to portray emotion and feeling and essentially lie convincingly to you and present another character to you in a way that may make you feel very emotional, and um, and that's that's fantastic. I think that it's harder because you're never getting a real and, and the same thing for politicians like they're putting on it's just one role essentially that they're playing and, and sure maybe some of them are real but like I say I bring them up because they're also in the public eye a lot um, and so you have these these two different categories of people that are not you don't really trust or you don't it's not even like necessarily you don't trust but you don't know you either don't know them or you don't trust them or both um, and so it's hard to develop that kind of relationship with them and there's not really anything that, that ties you to them other than like, oh, I like to see their movies. You know, like, I think that he's a good actor. I think that she's a great actress. It's different with a sports star. Um, one, we place value on people that do things well. 
and we place a higher value on people on people or things that perform exceptionally well. Kobe Bryant was one of the best basketball players who ever lived. And I'm not going to dive into the whole sports world of figuring out who's the best ever in, in this category. And stuff. I don't know it. I don't know that stuff really well. I remember growing up watching Michael Jordan, and I remember watching him at the end of his career, and when Kobe steps up and comes in, and, and he comes up and he's amazing. And he was just... He's one of those guys that you just love to watch. And I don't even, that was as I started to fade out of watching basketball. I would still, when I knew that Kobe was playing, I would turn it on and be like, okay, cool, I can watch Kobe Bryant. Um, just an absolutely phenomenal basketball player. And there is, there's something that's different when you are on a sports team and you're representing a city. And especially for him having been in the same city for so long, uh, you really, you really get like a connection with the people who are there, and they, you establish this relationship. You're going back and you're seeing this guy perform, and and you you experience uh, like the the real real chemical uh, reactions inside of your body, real biochemical and biological reactions inside of your body when they're winning and when they're losing. Like your testosterone actually increases when a sports team that you're watching that you like wins and it actually goes down when they lose. And so you're there and you're going through and you're watching him experience it and you're, you're tying yourself to him because he's so good. And so like there are emotions and, 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 your happiness is tied to these to these victories and to this this guy on this team, and it's to not acknowledge that and to say that he's just like everybody else. He's not. Let's be real. He's not just like everyone else. He's he brought a city together and and people from all over the world who loved to came together to watch him. Um, and so it doesn't. So is 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 every death tragic? Yes. Like, do we do we don't like to see people die? It's sad to see people go. Not everyone has the same impact. Not everyone makes the, the history books. Is the the tragic impact that you will have on your family is significant, but it's not going to be significant for your neighbors. Uh, or maybe it is. Maybe it's significant for your neighbors, but it's not significant for the city. Um, unlikely, and it, and it is for him. Like it is, it is more significant. It impacts more people because they're emotionally tied to him for years and years and years. They watched him, and so I just I don't want to. I don't like the idea of of using a tragedy to to try and like self-aggrandize, like like make my show better or get people to listen. That's not I'm not even gonna put anything in the title about it and probably nothing even in the show description. This is just for the people that were gonna be here anyway, just to let you know where I'm at with it. Um it's it's a true tragedy. It is extraordinarily sad. Um it, it, I felt it, you know, and I don't know him, you know what I mean? And I've never watched him play. I've never seen him in real life and I but I enjoyed watching him play and and, and it's it hit me in the stomach when I heard it and and know that his daughter was there with him too, and the just the what his family has to be going through. You know, he's in my thoughts and he's in our prayers, and so that's uh, it sucks. But to the show. <laughs> so um, today 
we're I'm gonna be talking about um, like so there's there's a bunch of different names for this, right? Um, it's basically uh, I've heard it called tactful conflict conflict resolution, uh, conflict resolution, uh, problem solving. Like uh, there are techniques of problem solving inside of this. Um, it's using a sense of diplomacy. And so that, that is essentially what I'm going to be talking about is that. And the idea is how to address a situation where something bad has happened and it needs to be addressed and how to do it in a way that not only, not only protects uh, the ego and the reputation of, of everyone involved, and, and protects the relationship, and and thus, I'm, and this is very much, uh, I think about it in the sense of the family, and in the sense of like uh, on your team in the workplace. So, I, so it's not just it's not just how to address a problem, but it's like it's how to increase the relationship, how to how to gain and expand upon the quality of your relationship through uh through these through these uh through this approach um if you if you pay attention and you care and you want your team to grow together whether your team is your family whether it's you and your friends or whether it's you and your team at work um there are ways to handle breakdowns and failures and problems or conflict in a way that not only addresses the problem and identifies potential solutions um, but also helps you grow together and strengthen the bonds and and makes it easier and paves the pathway for future more rigorous conflict in the future so let's just let's use an example i'm going to use a work example um but it could be anything right so let's say jimmy shows up and he's he's on your, he's somebody that you're responsible for on your team, and you, he's getting ready to give a presentation. And he shows up, shows up on time. He's uh, he's dressed appropriately for the for the meeting itself. He's got the computer set up and it's projected. Uh, he's got his fancy PowerPoint on the wall with all the charts, and um, everyone shows up. And the meeting takes place, and Jimmy's going through, and he's and he's listing off. The information, but it's not his his delivery isn't exactly crisp, and the organization of the information isn't necessarily as logical as it could have been, and there were there were aspects of it that he did not address. There were there were key components to the content that needed to be addressed that weren't addressed. So. The meeting wraps up. Everyone's leaving and heading out, and really the people that are left in there are you and the team that you're responsible for, and Jimmy's up there, and he's, like, feeling pretty good, and he's, like, joking around with people as he's, like, unplugging the systems and tearing everything down. And he's like, oh, hey, boss, uh, uh, how did I do? And you want to provide him with honest feedback because that's the type of leader that you want to be and that's the way you know that problems don't get resolved if you don't address if you don't address the problem. Then how could you possibly 
avoid it next time. And so you're honest. You give him honest feedback that says, hey, you were sloppy in your delivery. You did not mention several of the things that, um, that were really important. And uh, I can tell that you weren't prepared. So that's, that's your feedback. And he says, okay. Um, and you can tell that he's down and not, and not very happy about that interaction, right? And you can probably tell, like, ah, oh, that didn't go as smoothly as I hoped. And, and uh, that, I kind of rubbed him the wrong way with that one. And so everyone leaves and go about your work. Two weeks later, Jimmy comes back in and hands in his resignation and says, thank you, I've found a job somewhere else and I'll be moving on. So, what what happened here? What, one of the things that happened here and one of the things that I think is most important, I, I will continue to harp on this for as long as I'm, I'm speaking and, and talking about human relations and how to better them and how to better yourself, is that we are emotional beings, first and foremost, and we will justify all of our emotional actions and responses and thoughts and decisions with logic after the fact. So, um, Jimmy was emotionally uh, charged and, and amped up after the, after the presentation and was like, yeah, man, I want to know because I'm going to get good feedback because I felt really good about it. And then you emotionally thought, uh, I'm going to be honest and, and who knows, maybe, maybe, you have a need to establish dominance to, to check somebody and put to put them in their place. And um, maybe you need, you feel the need to uh, to display expertise and, um, and proficiency in that area where he messed up. Like, I'm a great public speaker and everyone needs to know and so I'm going to critique you. Um, but it's, so th those are emotions. Those are emotions that you need to feel that way. I mean, maybe that's not the case at all, but it's important to identify that it's possible. It's possible that where you came from and your your knee-jerk reaction to, to respond with the brutal honesty with which you responded with uh, may not just be rooted in trying to increase the performance of the team and to make everyone better. Um, and just, and just uh, you care so much about, about honesty. Maybe it's those things, but maybe it's important to ask. Maybe it's important to think about that with yourself and like, and, and did I really put Jimmy's knees first um, above my need for people to know that I'm awesome? <laughs> so uh, it's he's and and Jimmy obviously he responds emotionally because and he's not gonna he doesn't look for further confrontation. He says uh, I'm out. And only drops his resignation, but I mean, it, he felt diminished, and he felt uh, like he was being made the fool of, and so he his his emotional responses uh, is go, is going to be very strong, like that kind of shame and and um, embarrassment, especially because think about it, he did it in front of his team, um, and so. He's looking, he did not get the validation that he was looking for in front of his teammates. Not only did he not get the validation, but he was unvalidated. And so he's, and then he can turn around and justify the emotional response that he has of going and looking for another job as, you know, oh, this is just a toxic environment with toxic leadership. And I have, there are better opportunities elsewhere. And they're there and they're going to appreciate me more. So, um, 
justifying it, justifying his emotional his emotional response to you, to your potential emotional response to by leaving and then justifying it with logic after the fact. Um, so now I get into the um, I want to I want to go into like the steps for how you actually can go about this in better in a, in a better way. And there's actually there's two big aspects that I want to cover with this and um and so it's it's from it's from two perspectives, right? So one of them is uh, when you are when you are the person who's bringing up the problem. So like in the situation I gave, and then there's another the other one which uh, is when someone brings a problem up to you for it to be addressed. So in that case, when someone brings a problem to you, this is a uh, this is where I've I've sat and contemplated and, and I've put into practice this over years of time of how to address this um, how to address a person in a way that again it goes back to what I talked about in the beginning that that can strengthen the bond um, between you and them and you and, and wherever the problem may be and so because the person that's coming up to you so a person comes up to you and they bring a problem up to you it may be a problem with you so I'm always thinking about this from a leader's perspective. So someone is uh, bringing something to you because you're the leader and they're looking for you to solve the problem. Or they have a problem with you and say, hey, uh, you, you did this and this wasn't very fair, or whatever the case may be. Um, you let, you let you, uh, Jimmy off the hook and, and he got extra time off after he blew off the performance and I had to work late and I killed it during the last one. Um, the very first thing that you should do in this respect is show gratitude. Show gratitude for the fact that the person was willing to come up to you and to um, discuss this with you in person uh, and try... Because what they're trying to do, they want to hash it out. They want answers and they want to know that everything's going to be okay. They want to know that there's justice. That's that's a huge... That's a huge uh, motivating factor, a huge driver for us emotionally as people is uh, fairness and justice. And so that's most of the time, and, and a lack of respect, which is uh, essentially goes back to those two. Um, so you want to thank them, like, oh, you know what? Thank you, thank you, Lisa, for bringing this up to me. Like, I really appreciate that you brought brought it to my attention. So gratitude, very important. Um, that that lets them know that you are you're aligned in in the effort to solve the problem. To find a solution, um, because you're not your instant. A lot of times, our instant knee jerk response is to to go defensive, um, to cut them off, and and to justify. And so, and, and all of those might be complete. You might be right. You might be totally right and justified to do those things. However, being being right and correct doesn't necessarily build the relationship. So that's what we're looking to do, is we're looking to not just solve the problem, but to strengthen the relationship. So the next part is crucial, crucially important, is seeking clarification. So easy step to what we call in the military a lot of times, and what we'll have uh, subordinate leaders and, and, and soldiers do for us if we give them a complex task. Uh, especially where um, 
lines of effort are delineated um, between people, um, we will say, hey, get back, brief me on that. And basically that just means repeat back what I said, what I just said to you. And so this is a chance for you to repeat their complaint back to them. Because it, and this does two very crucial things. One, three. It does three crucial things. One, it lets them know that you were listening. Um, so you didn't just thank them. It wasn't just, you're not just placating them. You've repeated back to like, oh, he actually heard what I said. But what it also does is it, it confirms that you actually, you actually did hear and perceive the problem correctly uh, and accurately. And it, and it, and thirdly, it presents them the opportunity, if that's not the case, to say, no, 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 that's not that's not the issue that I meant. I'm, I'm talking about this. And then they can go dive a little bit further into it and and give you the that clarification for what actually caused the problem. And that, that this gives you an opportunity to kind of to take that first step to figure that out together. Um, because they're bringing up the problem. Um, they have an idea. They Most likely they're not just coming to you. It didn't just happen. They turn around and say, hey, I got this problem. Like They had time where they've mentally processed this and they've gone through it. And so this gives you're giving them an opportunity to to walk you through some of that. So that's like the invitation to is when you're when you're asking for clarification when you're when you're enacting step two. So step one, like I said, is is gratitude. Thank you. Step two, clarification. Um, repeat it back to them and get get the initial reason of what you think what they think caused the problem. Um, and this is this is from this point on, like the third step isn't even a it's not like its own step. It's like uh, an overall encompassing aspect of just communicating with people and it's actively listening. And so this is probably one of those phrases that gets played out and said a lot. And um, I think overly complicated. Um, what the, the, a lot of times what we're doing when we're communicating with people is we're waiting for our next opportunity to talk. Um, so that can be... That can stop you from actually listening you you're you're assuming what they're saying so you've caught like the a, a part of it and then you're you're looking at them and you're you're formulating your thought your response to it as you're continuing to elaborate what you're missing with that because you're in your head is you're no longer watching um, body language you're no longer paying attention to the nonverbal cues like body language and you're no and you're your ability to pick up on some of the nuanced tone is d diminished, decreased, and possibly depleted to nothing. Um, and, and potentially, you're missing actual words that they're saying, which in this type of communication is actually one of the... It's not that it's not important. Obviously, the words that they're saying are important, but it's one of the less important things. If you're paying attention to the way that they're, they're reacting, the way that they're moving their body... Um, and the tone that they're giving, you're going to get their emotions from it and the way that it's making them feel, and that's going to allow you to address it in a more thorough way if you're actually paying attention. So with this, when when you're diving in here and you're finding out, you've repeated it back to them, you're asked for clarification, and you you are identifying what's the cause, what's the cause of this. Um, now you can try to identify, like, what did what did I miss? You know, like... If this happened in my organization, what did I miss, you know? And you can work with the person who's bringing you the issue to help identify 
objective facts, like evidence. Like you're essentially detective mode now, and and you want to emotionally remove yourself from it, which is so easy to say right now and very difficult to do in practice, and it takes practice for you to actually be able to do this. Um, because if you if you don't, what happens now is we're, you're as they're bringing up evidence or what they consider to be evidence, there are, there are many things that are happening in their head and in your head. And one of the most important things to identify right now is the confirmation bias. So confirmation bias is simply you have an idea in your head and you seek out information that backs that idea up. You find things to confirm a thought or a theory that you already have. Um, yeah, and you just you keep going down the line of well, this person also said it, this person also said it. And so this can actually be dangerous if you if you yourself as the leader are biased, which let's be clear. We all are. As humans, we all have biases. Um, we're not going to dive into the stems and the cause and the roots of your biases. That's like seven episodes. But we have So you have, to, you have to acknowledge that when you're going into this. That means also the person who's bringing it up to you also has biases. So if your biases are the same, it's dangerous. So it's very important to check and to, and to ask for evidence, and um, and so when you when you hear some some phrases like I really feel like I think that it's not that those aren't important. It's just not as important during the fact finding portion of this problem solving and this this conflict resolution process that we're working through right now. Um, so there should be a specific effort around trying to identify evidence, and so. It's not you don't have to block it off, but I think that I think that it's beneficial. I found more success when I'm like, hey, let's let's sh like let's get into the facts. Like, when did this happen? What did they say? Um, and so then you get into then then you can when you do that, you ask them like, I want to stick to just the facts. Like, I just just tell me exactly what happened. And so that way, and when you say it, when you're giving voice to it, then you're you're creating a wall around um, from the emotion side. Because you want the emotions, you want to understand how they made it feel, but you can't solve a problem based on someone's emotions. You can accept it as a real issue that they actually have, but you need to identify what exactly happened so that way you understand the issue. You can't come up with a solution if you don't know, if you don't have the facts. Um, so once you do this, and, you're, and you carefully walk the line of, of your confirmation biases and you've actively listened. So that's kind of like the step through is like actively listening and fact-finding. So you did your, you, you were thankful and you asked for clarification. You, you gave them a, a, a place that they felt comfortable to bring, up, bring this up. You actively listened. You, your body was, in, uh, was attentively listening. Your eyes were on them. Um, and you you acknowledged um, you were able to repeat back some things along the way, and um, and you like I said you you navigated the minefield of confirmation bias. Now you can work toward now that you've your fact finding is complete. The emotions have been put on the table. The facts are put on the table, um, and and you're fairly certain that it's you're not operating from a, a 
area of bias. So now you can ask one of the most important things, or not, it's not that it's the most important, it's one of the most powerful things here is that you can ask them like, what do you think, what do you think we could do about that? Like, what do you, like, do you have an idea of a solution of the way to handle this? That gives them, that puts a ball in their court and it allows them to take ownership over the problem. And then you can really work through it. And the more experience that you have with your team and the better relationships that you have established with the members of your team, the, the better you're going to be at to you're going you're going to be in responding to this so the the leader needs to have that technical expertise of the job that they're doing they need, you need to have the interpersonal expertise of between you and your your subordinates and your peers and your seniors so with that shared that cross boundary uh, understanding um, and intelligence you that is how you help that person that in this scenario the subordinate that's how you help that subordinate walk their solution from a potential place of uh, euphoria or utopia I, I, I would say um, you take it from a utopian uh, unrealistic amazing solution to like okay well this is the real world that we have to be in and I mean and, and you do it again with tact um, and so you you walk in like, okay, well, we need to consider this. Like, so if we're gonna try to implement this solution, this when that happens, then we're gonna run. We're gonna have to consider X, Y, and Z because that's the potential fallout, and that's what you provide to them. Still, their solution. All you're doing is uh, uh, is you're honing and you're 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 boring it out and you're you're polishing and porting this thing. Uh, so that it's beautiful. So it's a beautiful, effective solution, and that's the way. That's really the the all encompassing way uh, that you address a problem when it is brought to you for um, within your organization. And the same thing works within your family. Um, if if you're if one of your kids brings this up to you, it's, it's the same. Thing. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. You walk through. Hey, I just want to make sure that I understand this correctly. I say this. So think about it. Like especially as your kids are getting older. And they're getting ready to go off to school. Um, you want to, and, and you have a big debate. And they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And um, it's it, understanding these steps it applies to any any conflict that's take, that's going on. And you want to come to a, a shared resolution. Those are the steps. That's it. This is the one of the most versatile tools that you can ever use that will benefit you for the rest of your life. And you will get better and better and better at it. The more that you do it, I'm not saying to seek out conflict, but I am saying that when conflict does arise, this is an amazing tool to use. Um, and the other one, this is so so going back to the scenario, right? So we had Jimmy, right? Jimmy gave he showed up for his for his presentation, went up, did it, did not hit it out of the park, right? And then you told him that he didn't hit it out of the park in front of his peers. He got sad and mad and disappointed, and two weeks later he turned in his resignation. So, a better way to do this is, so if somebody brings it up to you in that scenario where like, they're like, if you're in the room, you're like, hey man, like, uh, I, d I definitely have uh, feedback for you and I'd love to give it to you. Let's go ahead and wrap this up and, you know, how about we grab lunch or, or you know, find a scenario where you can, you can get them separated from the people so that way you can give him, uh, him or her the refined critique of their performance 
in, in an area so that way if you are bringing up issues then they don't feel it coming from the outside they don't feel the outside of pressure and it's it's a it's a one-on-one thing so there are there are times to address issues as, in a group because a lot of times uh it's actually the methodology of a drill sergeant right so um, a lot of people don't know this. The, even people in the military don't know this. That the psycho- a lot of the psychology behind um, a firmly addressing a problem that's going on. So, like a drill sergeant will come up to a to a soldier that's that's getting ready for some, for a formation and will scream at that person or speak in a very loud, stern voice uh, so that everybody can hear that drill sergeant um, about a pocket being unbuttoned, right? And it's they're not increasing their vocal level and and being super aggressive because it's that grievous of a violation. Now, given it's basic training, so the idea here, the baseline idea is that it's indoctrination. So you're trying to break down your your who you were before, trying to break that down and build you back up together in the team of, of the military. But the all of this, the other part of it that's relevant to what we're talking about now is they want to do it in a way that it's loud enough that everyone else hears it too and they feel the kind of like, oh, oh, man, I don't want to, I don't want that to happen to me. I'm going to make sure that my buttons are, you'll see, you see it if you pay attention, and like everyone will go around with a button in their pockets. And the same thing can happen uh, in that kind of way in, in, uh, in the office space, it's just about how you want to convey. It's, it's time and place, right? And so one of the best techniques or approaches I've found with you bringing an issue up to a subordinate upon poor, poor performance like poor Jimmy um, is uh, what, I, what I've I heard it deemed or dubbed as a, a compliment sandwich. So you come to them first with a compliment. Again, it's just like you were starting before with gratitude and a thank you. You can do the same thing. You can start it out... Um, with a, with gratitude and thank you. So if, if Jimmy is there and say you're going to address it in the room and you think that that's, that's an appropriate way to do it and you can handle it in a way that is helpful and beneficial for everybody and for him and, and, and you're actually going to be able to foster relationships because of that. Um, you, you 